Love you, church. I'm excited about this new series, and it's called The Fight. The Fight and Contending, Contesting, (laughs) for What Matters Most. And um, I'm really excited to bring this word today because I truly believe, we're going to jump right in, all right? You ready? You ready? I truly believe that we are all either going into a battle, in the middle of a battle, or coming out of a battle. And God wants to speak to us on how we do these battles well, how we fight these battles well. And at first we were going to say, you know, we're going to do this series about the fight and we're going we're gonna to talk about why we fight, like why we fight and what we're going to fight for. But I really believe that the Lord is telling us we need to understand the fight a little bit better before we get into it. And here are some things that we're going to contest for in the next few weeks. Um, we're going to be talking in the next few weeks about unity Um, fighting for unity, fighting for the lost, those people that you've been praying for day in and day out for them to come to know Jesus, Um, for the dreams and goals in your life, for your marriages, for the families and kids and the parenting things that we face. There are a lot of fights that we are dealing with, but I believe that if we understand the fight better, we're going to come into it with a better mindset than we've been in fights before. Because how many people believe that you're in a fight right now. What are are some circumstances and mental things are you grappling with that are even relational things that you are battling right now? I believe the Lord is wanting to tell you today that you are already victorious. You are already victorious in Jesus' name because here's the thing. Jesus has already defeated death, hell, and the grave, and we have the ending of the story written for us already. And that's his victory. That means his victory is our victory when we come into relationship with a loving God. So this morning, I want us to just jump into a scripture that I think is going to really help us understand the fight, that's going to really help us understand what we're dealing with um, when we're fighting for things in this world, and understand our enemy a little bit better than we have before. So somebody say, fight. Fight. We're called to fight. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. If you have your Bibles, open up the word, but also it's going to be on the screen. It's 20 verses, or excuse me, 10 verses. Real quick, here we go. Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand firm." Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. 
Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, God, that you don't leave us in a battle here on earth by ourselves. We're not alone in this, that you are fighting on our behalf. I thank you that you have gone before us, you're behind us, you're beside us, you've surrounded us in any fight that we find ourselves in today. And I thank you that you're going to give us your words, you're going to give us um, insight and understanding to what your word is saying about how we fight in this lifetime. So God, illuminate the words. May they be real to us in our hearts and our minds, and may we walk out of here, um, walking it out the way you want us to, in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So I love this whole scripture because it's talking about the whole armor of God, and it's also talking about spiritual warfare. And in other translations, it's talking about fighting to the finish, fighting to the end. And we can talk about fighting to the end because, like I said, we know what the end is already. God is victorious. God has won every battle. God has already triumphed over all things. He's sovereign. He's in control. We are on the winning side. Amen? And so I have a few questions to ask you as we go into this um, message. And it's going to help frame again this idea and understanding of a fight. First, my question is, where do you stand in a fight? Where do you stand? What's your stance? I mean, when you're, when you're about to watch, like, the MMA, um, an MMA match or fight, what is it called? <laughs> um, a fight. Um, you want to know the record of the person that you're fighting against, right? If you're going to play a game, uh, you're, you're on a baseball team, you want to know what the statistics are of the pitcher, and you want to know how many bases a certain person stole. When you're going into a basketball game, you want to know how many assists, how many rebounds, and all the players, what they're doing, right? And so I think it's important for us to know where we stand, because a lot of times we can see what our opponent has, but sometimes we forget about where we stand. And I'm telling you today, and I'm going to repeat myself, that we stand on the side of victory, We already stand with an undefeated record. The person we serve, the person who gave us breath in our lungs, has already gotten the victory. So we stand on the undefeated side. We stand on the victorious side. We stand that uh, already defeating death, hell, a grave that wants to put us down and put us down even further. We are victorious I love what John, 1 John 4, 4 says, you are from God, say I'm from God, and have overcome the enemy for he who is greater, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And we can take joy in this. Can somebody say amen? He who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. All these other mystifying, all these other, um, these religions and all these other things and all these other concepts and philosophies, God is greater than all those things. He who is in us, amen? So take joy in this because when we take joy, when we take joy in this truth, then we find that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It says in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the position that you have in this fight. You're on the victorious side. You're on the undefeated side. You're on the winning side. You're on the winning team, amen? And my next question for you this morning, who are you fighting? Well, yes, it's important for us to understand where we stand in a fight, what our position is, we need to understand who we are fighting. And verse 11 and 12 tells us that pretty easily. It says, we need to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
The devil is our enemy. I'm going to say it again. The devil is your enemy. I mean, I, I don't want to be that person who's like, oh, everything is so spiritual. You know, that happened and that was probably the devil. I don't want to be that person, but I kind of am. <laughs> because it's probably true. I mean, let's, let's talk about the enemy for a second. And here's what verse 12 says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Let me tell you a little bit about the enemy. Because oftentimes I feel like um, we say what the enemy is. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, yes, he's an accuser. Yes, he's, an ali- he's a liar. Yes, he, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm going to talk about that in my message. But sometimes we need to understand what our enemy is not. In order for us to fight a fight, we have to understand what his deficits already are. Instead of making him like this champion underdog who's, we're in the winning, we're in the winning slot, but he's like an underdog who has all these crazy attacks. At, you know, no, this is what the enemy is not, number one. An enemy that isn't everywhere at all times. He's not everywhere at all times. You know, it makes me think of my son, Canaan. So I think he started doing something that Caleb and I do to one another. I'll I'll give you an example. We'll be coming home from somewhere. We open the garage. We're both in the car together, and we go in. And my car, my, my, the passenger side is closer to the, um, the door into the house. So I'll go into the house, and then I'll hide behind the door. He'll take about five seconds to walk into the house, open the door, and I'll go, boo! And it scares him every time. It's awesome, okay? So there's this thing that Caleb and I just love to scare one another. He'll do it to me, but not even trying. I just get startled really easy. But so I feel like Canaan is, like, trying to emulate this thing in this game that Dad and I do. And um, so the other day I was packing for a trip, and I was just packing, 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 and I did feel him, like, like all of a sudden go, boo, and I, it scared me, startled me, screamed, almost peed my pants, like that kind of scream. I was like, ah, and I'm like, okay, and then five seconds later, he's like, I'm victorious in that, so he like walks to the other side of the bed and goes, boo, and I'm like, no, babe, it doesn't work that way. I'm not scared anymore, and then like maybe 15 seconds later, he walks behind me. He's brushing over like my pile of clothes and luggage, and then I feel his breath breathing on me, half laughing, <laughs> Boo! And I'm like, no, babe. I heard you the whole time, babe. You know, I, and here's the thing. That's exactly what the enemy does. I'm not saying that my son's the enemy, all right? Watch it. But it's just a great illustration. But sometimes I think we need to realize that the enemy is not everywhere at all times. We can see where he's coming. You know, he, he, we know where he's coming. He's prowling around like the enemy. First Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. If he was somewhere, everywhere, at all times, then he wouldn't have to be looking for people like Canaan does, looking for people to scare, looking for opportunities to scare. The enemy is just this little thing who has to even walk on all fours and like find us to scare, find us to devour. He's not ever present like our omnipresent God. He is not present everywhere. He is prowling around on all fours looking for someone to devour. If that's a better image of our enemy, I don't know what is. That's a better image than this big, all, omnipresent thing. But we need to understand that he's not omnipresent. Thank God. Also, the enemy 
But our enemy is an enemy who knows he's in a losing fight. He is in a losing fight. He already knows that when Jesus rose again from the grave and he's sitting at the right hand of the God of the universe who created everything, including him, he knows he's lost. He's known, he knows that he lost, and we need to take that position that the enemy's already taken. You know what the enemy reminds me of? Okay, have you ever been in a fight with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or even a friend? And, like, it just, it just makes you even more mad because they're right about the thing that you're arguing. But then just everything in you just wants to keep fighting because your pride has taken a hit. And you've just been like, oh, shoot, you're right. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you concede and humble yourself? No. You take a low blow. That's what you do. You say, oh, yeah? Well, that's dumb. Oh, yeah? Well, shut up. You know, like, that's all you can muster up. And that's what I feel like the enemy is. He's like, man, I've already lost. So what am I going to do? I'm going to kick you on the shin. You know, like, I, that's what the enemy, he already knows that he lost. And we need to recognize that he knows he's already lost. So all of his things are just like these little jabs and these little, like, um, you know, just these little jabs and these little kicks. And it's just like, ha, 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 ha. We need to take the position of we've already won. Go ahead. Go ahead. That may sting a little bit, but you're just a pesky bug. Okay? That's what the enemy is. He is somebody who knows that he's already lost. Here's the thing. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. He knows that we already have what he wants. We have all the power of the kingdom of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have the same inheritance as Christ Jesus. God sees us as righteous already. But what does the enemy want? He wants to take that power. He wants to take that authority. He does not have it, so he has to steal it. We need to recognize that he already knows he's lost this fight. He's already lost this fight. It's a losing battle for him. God is all-powerful. He knows he is not. He has to steal. He has to manipulate. He has to trick us into giving him power. Don't be the person who tr gets tricked and gives him and hands him over power. Next thing, we, we have an enemy who has limited knowledge. If you read in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, you read the account of Jesus being in the wilderness for 40 days and the whole time, the enemy is trying to tempt him and trying to tempt him to come off of his throne, trying to tempt him to just be prideful. And, you know, Jesus, time and time again, he just, he just says no. And he quotes the word at the enemy and he says, no, not, no, I, I serve the God of the universe. Your attacks and your temptations have to flee when I resist you. You know, that's a promise from the word of God. Resist the enemy and he will flee. It's not saying, like, kill him and, you know, punch him in the face five more times after he's down, and then he'll flee. No, just resist him, and he will flee. That's a promise from the word. You could take that to the bank. But he's not all-knowing. Our God is omnipresent, om omnipotent, and he's omniscient. He has all the power of this world. He holds it all in his hand. He spoke it 
into existence. God is omniscient. He's also all-knowing. If he's all-knowing, then the enemy doesn't know everything about us. The enemy doesn't know everything about our deepest fears. He doesn't, he doesn't know everything about us. He doesn't know the things that, that, that we've thought of in our past. He doesn't know what we want for our futures. He just, he doesn't know everything. If he knew what, if, if he was all-knowing, then Jesus, he would have known that Jesus was going to not, like, subscribe to any of his temptations, and he would have just, you know, stopped trying. But he, was, he didn't know what Jesus was going to do, so he's going to keep on trying to tempt him, tempt him, tempt him. We serve a God who's omniscient. Thank God, because the enemy of our souls, the enemy who is after our identity, the enemy who is after our families, the enemy who is after this church, the enemy who is after this country, the enemy who is after your relationship with your children, the enemy of your families is not all-knowing. He doesn't know that you have... You can, you can draw from inside and say, God, you're going to be the God of my home, God of my household, God of my relationships, God of my church. You are going to be in control. God, God is the omnipotent one. God is the omniscient one. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You know, sometimes scriptures, in the same way that Jesus um, debunked any of the, the, the temptations that the enemy was throwing at him, what he did was he just quoted, quoted scriptures. So if you're taking notes, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures to you because I think that that's just as powerful than me explaining that the enemy is under our feet, right? So here we go. Write this down if you're taking notes. Psalm 147.5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. He understands everything you're going through. He has no limit. Psalm 139.2. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Some of us think that the enemy knows our thoughts and knows what we're going to do and knows what our, 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 the, the hard things are in our life. But no, only God knows. He knows when you're going to sit and when you're going to rise. He's the one who perceives your thoughts. First John 4, 4, God has the final say, and he leaves us with this reminder, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And Romans 12, 21, God is greater. He has overcome Um, He is never overcome by evil and tells us in his word. So when you have found yourself being overcome by evil, you need need to know and understand that God, the all-knowing, the all-powerful God has never been overcome by evil and we we can hold on to that. We can grasp onto that and make it through any of these fights. So thank God our enemy can't be everywhere at all times. Our enemy knows he's in a losing fight, and our enemy has limitations in his knowledge. But our God is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. Thank you, Jesus. So my next question for you today is, what can you do? What is it that you can do? Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. I submit to you two things of what you can do because sometimes we try to get in these positions where we are striving and doing everything we can in our power to get out of a fight. But God has us to do two things, two reminders and two words of advice for you when it comes to what can you do in a fight. Number one, fight the right fight. Fight the right fight. 
you know, some of us are in difficult spaces in our work. Some of us are in difficult spaces in our relationships. Some of us are in difficult spaces in just our minds. And what we want to do is make our husband's the enemy. What we want to do is make our coworkers the enemy. What we want to do is make the black car that cut us off on the highway the enemy. Some people want to make time our enemy. Some people want to make, you know, the church the enemy. Some people want to make, you know, that rock in the back of my heel in my shoe the enemy. But the enemy is what it says in verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. We are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual war. And so stop fighting and making other things the enemy because what happens when everything else of this world is the enemy and the enemy is not the enemy, Satan, the devil, the schemes of the enemy, you know what happens? Then we just become a victim to everything of this world and we are powerless. But God wants to tell you today that there's an enemy against your soul. There's an enemy against your identity. And when you start fighting that battle, you become victorious. The enemy is not your child. The enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not, is not your boss. I mean, sometimes it really feels that way. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it does. So just, I understand that. Caleb knows that sometimes I make him the enemy. But, but fight the right fight. That's what you can do. Fight the right fight. What else can you do? You can do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. You know, so there's a story in the Bible where Moses was leading the Israelites um, out of Egypt and the Red Sea was parted for him, right? Well, fast forward to 40 years later, and Joshua and Caleb are leading the Israelites into the promised land, Canaan. And they are going to cross the Jordan, the Jordan River. And so if you are, you know, Joshua, you might think, you know, maybe he'll just part the sea for me. You know, like he did for Moses, right? Just part the sea. Like they walked up to it, didn't even get in the water, and it parted, right? But here is something interesting in Joshua 3, that happens, and here's, here's what happens. Jo- the Jordan ro- River, um, it was kind of like a flood bank right, right at that point, and it's, it wasn't super deep right away, right? And so what happened was, through God's command, Joshua said that, Ask God, do you want me to, are you going to part the sea like you, or are you going to part the river like you parted the sea? And what Jesus, or what God told him to do was have the Ark of the Covenant and some of his priests walk into the water. And then the seas parted and dried up for everybody else. But sometimes I think what we do when we're in the middle of a fight is we're like, oh God, just make a way for me. I'll just stand back here and watch you work. You know, and we're super spiritual about it because we're like, I'm just going to let you do your thing. I'm going to let go and let God. And then we forget to do anything ourselves, right? And so what I think God was telling us through this, through this word of crossing the Jordan River with Joshua and Caleb was that sometimes we need to step in the water and get our toes wet. Sometimes I think we're afraid to step out into the water and get any, have anything to do with what God wants to do. But God is giving you tools and he's giving you resources for you to go stand up 
get out of the boat, right? And get your feet wet. And then he'll do the miracle. So do what only you can do. What does that look like? That means work hard. You know that job and the employer that you hate working for or those partners that you hate talking to or, you know, that relationship in the workplace that has gone awry? What, what can you do in that situation? Work hard. Work harder. What else can you do when you feel alone and the enemy of your mind is attacking you? Join community. Getting connected with people who are going to pray for you, for, who are going to be your friends, who are going to be connected to you and pray for you. What else can you do? You can pray. You can pray, you can ask for prayer, but sometimes it's hard to ask for prayer if you're not in community, so you can't be vulnerable or authentic with anybody because nobody knows you. But sometimes you're going to have to step out and get your feet wet, get your feet wet. Sometimes you're going to have to ask for prayer. There's a lot of opportunities to ask for prayer in these next few weeks. We have a couple Wednesday nights. We're praying for 21 days. This is a time that as community groups are launching soon that you could be asking for prayer, joining community. What else can you do? You can forgive. You can forgive. How can we expect the God of the universe to work on our behalf and to split open the sea, the Jordan River, or the way he did the Red Sea? How do we expect him to do that if we can't even forgive people ourselves? Those are kind of hard things, I know. But when we step out and get our feet wet, I believe that God is going to respond to you and say, I will move heaven and earth for you. That's how much I love you. I will part the sea, I will move the mountain, and I will say, enemy, flee in my name. What else can we do? We can stand. You know, that's what I was alluding to with community and prayer is like sometimes some of us are just tossed about in the wind because we're not firmly rooted anywhere. So something bad happens in our life, and it's like, who do we talk to? I don't know. Nobody cares. Tossed by the wind. I'm going to come over here, and I'll land here and see how that goes. Then something else happens. Oh, you're tossed over here, and then that hard thing happens. And then you're like, oh, your head's spinning. And then you're like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And what is God saying? He's saying, get firmly rooted and planted somewhere and stand firm. Stand firm. Because here's what happens. I, I, I believe sometimes we're like, okay, I'm going through this thing. What am I going to do? I'm going to get out of the situation that I'm in, and then it'll get better. Okay, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out the right person to talk to and, and talk to them, and, and it'll get better. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out all these things. I'm going to strive. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to spend more time. I'm going to think about me, spend more time on me. I'm going to self be me, 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 me. No, God's saying, no, be rooted and planted and community and stand firm. He's not trying to say, you know, do the roundhouse kick. I don't know names of kicks and karate or at all or box. They're boxing. Here we go. You can do like, okay, jab. I still, that's not my lingo. Okay, jab, uppercut, man. Tile boxing, go to the class, I'll tell you. But he's not expecting you to do that. He's just saying stand firm. Stand firm. He doesn't say anywhere. You know, there are more times that he tells us and commands us to stand firm. Let me read the scripture for you. It says in these few verses that I read, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. We're putting on armor so that we can stand. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. And having done all, stand firm and stand therefore. Stand, 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 stand. Stand firm. When we stand firm, we're not just standing, doing nothing. We're doing what we can do, and we're standing firm, praying. 
Standing is praying. Standing is trusting in God. Standing is looking at heaven and saying, you are greater than everything else around me. I'm not going to be tossed by the wind. I'm not going to be moved by the waves. I'm going to stand firm, look at you, and magnify you over everything else. Stand. Stand and pray. So how can you stand? Four quick points for you. Stand. Pray for revelation of Christ. When you stand, you're praying. And what can you pray for? Pray that you have more revelation of Christ. The more you understand Christ, the victor of all of humanity, the one who came to rescue, seek, and save the lost, the one who is victorious and who sits at the right hand of the Father, he's the victorious one. Be, have a revelation of Christ, and then you'll have a revelation of your victory, I promise you. Sometimes we need to remember what's so right about God and his perfect plan and not what's wrong about us and what we've done wrong. The enemy of your soul is accusing you and attacking you and stealing your peace. And he's saying, he's saying, no, 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 don't think about those things. I've already washed that into the sea of forgetfulness. I need you to focus on me and understand that I am greater than all things. My revelation a revelation of Christ is going to give us revelation of our victory. Remember what's right about God, not what is wrong about you. Pray for revelation of Christ. Pray for understanding of the schemes of the enemy. I believe in the same way that the enemy wants to get us to fight the wrong battle, he wants us to pray the wrong prayers. And sometimes I think that one of our prayers, and I'm guilty of this too, and I'm sure everyone at some point of their life, I don't think God is going to get mad at you for this at all. Um, it's just natural. It's, but I think it's the wrong prayer when we say, God, take away the pain. Because here's what happens. When we, when we embrace the pain and we are close to the pain and we feel the pain of this world, we feel the pain that Jesus experience on this earth and I don't think there's any time that we're closer to Jesus than when we understand the sufferings of Jesus the closer you draw near to Jesus the sooner you're gonna experience healing and sometimes that means pain I believe that we need to start praying the right prayers pain and pain is not the goal of the enemy the goal of the enemy is to separate you from God so is some of, are some of the pains in your life keeping you from God, keeping you from community, keeping you from the church? What are your pains? Draw near to the sufferings of Christ, and you'll have victory in Christ. Christ's suffering led to our victory. Yeah. Let's pray the right prayers and pray the word. If you're like, well, what are, what are the right prayers? I, I don't know what to pray. You know what you can pray? You can pray the promises of God. They're, they're true. Resist the enemy and he will flee. You know, pray the prayers that you can find throughout the word. Pray what David prayed. Pray all these letters in, in um, the New Testament that Paul wrote. They're prayers for the church. Go through the New Testament. Read the word. Pray prayers that you see in the word of God and the promises. They will come true. They will come into fruition. The thing about the promises of God is that they, they, they shed a light. They, they, they put a spotlight on the schemes of the enemy. 
So just pray the promises of God. Pray his will, not your will. And then next we need to pray for timing and heavenly strategies. It says to pray at all times. Pray at all times with prayer and supplication, right, in Ephesians? Pray at all times because there's timing about everything. And God has perfect timing for each situation that you're facing today. Pray for timing. And then pray for others. Pray for others. I believe that sometimes the enemy wants us to pray for just ourselves. Because when we pray for just ourselves, we become so inward that we forget about everything else outside of us. Again, then we, then we just, I, I am coming off of this, this high from that message that we, we've talked about the last seven weeks with Lighten Up series. And I'm telling you, this world is so prideful that sometimes even in our, in our attempt to follow Christ, we have become prideful ourselves. So even our prayers become selfish. And our prayers become so inward focused that we forget that God's wanting to move in other people's lives. Yes, pray for yourself. Yes, pray for yourself. But pray that God would bring other people into your life to help you with that. Don't pray for just yourself and God, yourself and God. God, show me, show me, show me, show me. God, show me through other people. God, show me who you want me to touch through this. God, what do you want me to touch others with through what I'm experiencing right now? Others, others, others. Why do you think therapists and counselors tell you, like, serve somewhere, serve somewhere in the midst of this hard thing that you're experiencing? Because sometimes I think we get so self-focused. Are you praying for others? Are you praying for God's will in your life and others' lives? Because the things that you're experiencing now aren't just for you. They're for the breakthrough and freedom for people around you. Pray for others. Pray for others. Listen to me. Yes, we have an enemy. Yes, there is a fight, but we are on the winning side of the fight. We have the undefeated one on our side. The enemy, yes, he's a liar, he's an accuser, and he's a destruction, destructive thing waiting to happen in our lives. But I wanna remind you that he has promised as victory. Here is his promises, 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews 2, 14, Christ took on human nature that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus came, the Son of God came to this earth to rescue us and to defeat the devil. That is his mission. In order for us to understand that we are loved by him, he needs to eliminate the enemy from our lives. So just know that that's, that's what he's about. He's for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? The enemy is a liar. We can reject the lies of the enemy that tells us that we're not enough, that we're going to fail, that we're gonna be humiliated, that we, we can't do what we hope that we can do, that our lives are never gonna come back together, that the relationships are never gonna be rebuilt. He is a liar. He is a liar. So just silence the liar. Silence the liar. He's an accuser, but once we receive forgiveness, once we accept his mercy, and we believe that whatever was held against us in the past has already been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. 
Some of us are walking in guilt and shame and our relationships now are set up to fail because we have not received the forgiveness that he has for us in those other areas of our lives. But he is an accuser. He is an accuser. See where the enemy is accusing you and lying to you and say, Jesus, Jesus, you have come to defeat the enemy. I already have the victory. He's a liar, an accuser. He's destruction. But I want to submit to you that we need to pursue the enemy by standing firm. Take back what has been stolen, recover, rebuild, and flourish. Flourish. That's God's plan for us. He wants to rebuild and restore all that God has promised us. And he has promised you much. So don't look back. Don't settle. Don't give up in the fight. You already have the victory. And you know what? Maybe we'll move some battles here and there. But we've won the war, guys. We have won the war. Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 38, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God. He is for you. He was fighting for you. You just stand firm in his promises. You stand rooted, not being tossed by the wind, not being pushed by the waves. Stand firm. He has you. He has the victory. So with faith in your hearts, believe for bigger, believe for more. You can do that. You have the freedom to do that when you realize that you've won the fight. Why don't you bow your heads in this place?